0: Welcome back. My name is Greg McEwen and I'm here for part two with my conversation with Leo Babauta. Uh, he is a phenomenal author, uh, he's a blogger, uh, he's a speaker, he has himself an amazing story about how he went from, I don't know if the right word is chaos, but to simplicity, uh, to being able to uh, to really bless many, many people's lives, millions around the world who have, have read his work. Have been have listened to his podcast Uh, it's the zen habits podcast Uh, he's also the founder of the zen habits blog you may know him already from that Uh, and he's drawing from principles of zen buddhism but combining them with principles and practices of habit formation Uh, and so that's a really special combination because if you can take something deep but combine it with something that's so tangible, so immediately relevant to every single person, because we all have habits and we all have habits to get in the way of us achieving what we want to and becoming the kind of person we want to. You can read his books, The Power of Less, Essential Zen Habits, which will be a focus of our conversation today. Well, let's get to it.
1: Leo, welcome back to the show. Uh, oh, thank you. It is an honor. So
0: tell us a little bit about this backstory. Okay. You know, how did you get here?
1: Okay, so this goes back to 2005. Mm. Uh, so in 2005, I well, it was in a really tough place in my life. I, I was a father, uh, five kids with one on the way. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, I did most of the work. But uh, uh, so there's, <laughs> there's that. But I also was deeply in debt. Um, I was in a bad place, like health wise, I was a smoker, I was sedentary, could not stick to an exercise program, mm. um, overweight, and um, just eating a lot of junk food. I was a procrastinator, I had a hard time, like I wanted to wake up earlier to get stuff done. And I was having a hard time doing that, really having a hard time changing anything in my life. Hmm. And so I was feeling terrible about myself and you know, not I was having a hard time making ends meet. And so there was a lot of motivation to change, but just didn't know how to do it. And so I looked at all of these things that I wanted to change, that I was struggling to change. And I said, you know what, I'm going to just do one. And I chose quitting smoking, which is not necessarily the best one to start with, because it's a really hard habit to change. But I chose uh, I chose it because my wife was going to be giving birth in a few months. And when she gave birth, she was going to go back to smoking uh, if I was still smoking. So I'm like, if I quit, maybe she'll stay quit. Um, okay so I was motivated. So I made a yeah. promise to her and to my daughter that I was going to quit my 11 mm-hmm. uh, year old, 12 year old daughter. And so, so you're emotionally committed. There's a lot on the I line. I was committed. And then, I, so then I started doing all the research that I could and, and found out like how to actually quit smoking and, and change a habit. And, uh, and I started trying everything, every single thing that I could. Mm. And the things I learned from that Helped me to change everything else after that because after mm-hmm. uh, while I was quitting smoking, I started running to like help relieve stress, and uh, I just kept doing that and applying the same things I learned from quitting smoking to running. Eventually, mm-hmm. ran a 5K, and then I'm like, I could run a, a marathon, and so I, I signed up for a marathon, ran a marathon a year later, have run several and an ultra marathon since then. Amazing. I started changing my diet. I I went vegetarian and eventually vegan and. Not just that, but eating a lot more vegetables and healthy stuff. Um, I lost a lot of weight. like at one point it was like 70 pounds. I don't know how to translate that into uh, <laughs> rational <laughs> rational units. but yeah <laughs> So there's there's weight loss. I also started getting out of debt and finally got out of debt. I started decluttering my life, simplifying, meditating. you name it. I, I changed my entire life, started the blogs and habits after that. And it was all from some of the things that I learned from that first habit change, uh, quitting smoking. Hmm. Uh, so it was, it was transformative.
0: It, it, was a, it was a single habit that was disproportionately important. It was an essential habit. That's right. It was, it's almost like your life split into two possible paths
1: uh, around this habit. Yeah, I love that, that.
0: If you'd stayed with it, Suddenly your wife is also smoking. Your your children see a version of you, which is not all bad by any means, but there's sure. suddenly a more frustrated version, a less healthy version, someone who has low integrity to yourself in making commitments. Right. So there's a there's a whole journey of what that That's looks right. like, but in an act of first of all, an act of personal responsibility where you go, no, mm. I am doing this and I am going to make that choice and that you can make one-time decisions and live them out through your life. You see this other life that has not just been possible, but actually emerged uh, in into this whole different level of contribution and, and a different quality of life and, and everything that's come with it. Do I exaggerate?
1: No, you, you got that so right. And I, I really love that you talked about what I was modeling for my kids, uh, mm. in, integrity and, and sticking to something. Mm. Um, yeah, even just, I, I would be angry at them and like, you know, yell at them once in a while. Like not, not I wasn't the worst father, but it wasn't the father that I wanted to be. Um, so there's a lot of places like that. Every time I do
0: something, I know I should not, or I don't do something I should. I am then a worst version of myself for the people around me hmm. because I don't have the integrity to be able to handle the challenges of interpersonal interaction hmm. communication and so on right these, these are these are that's right these are tough interactions and skills maybe ten times harder than maybe personal choices and actions and and so you need the strength of the first to be able to even go into you know, battle. Let's say with the second. That's how it seems to me, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Your thoughts, and then what happened following this?
1: No, I I agree. Like that's we start with our own personal integrity and and working with the the stuff that comes up for us mm-hmm. here. And once we do that, it's going to transform how we how we be with others. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times, it's like I need to start over there because that's that can be really complicated or painful or. Uh, challenging um, mm-hmm. without starting starting here. So I, I really love how you put it. What happened beyond that was we'll just continued uh, change. Uh, you know, Zen Habits was the blog that I started in 2007. So a little over a year later and um, started sharing some of this stuff. And the blog took off in the first year. Um, not only did I have a huge readership, I think 26,000 people signed up for the blog, but I quit my day job Mm. Uh, got a book deal and uh, never looked back. So I've been I've been deepening into this work ever since. I started training with a, a Zen teacher uh, not too long after that, and deepening into my studies there. I, I started going into different coaching programs and learning about uh, different kinds of ways of growth and transformation. And then I started offering more and more of that um, in the work that I do. Yeah, let's let's try and break
0: this down. I mean, habits has been treated in lots of different places in lots of different books but sure. can we start with something like you know like how is a habit formed you know and just 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 some of the science research that's on that and and then build from there
1: yeah well i i would say um it a lot of like you said has been written about how habits are formed um so I, i'm not going to go into too much detail in the science of that but Just a real basic like gist of it is formed through repeated action. Like we start to form patterns in our brain that form a groove. And the interesting thing about that is if you've already formed the groove, like the quitting smoking, actually all of us have a lot of grooves that we've formed. It's, it's hard to get out of that because we try and get out of it and we just slip back into the groove. It's like trying to forge a new path when the old path has a lot of like gravity to it. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's difficult And we have lots of good reasons for those old grooves. So, you know, quitting smoking would be one, procrastination would be another, social media addiction, you know, all kinds of substance addictions and, you know, all of it. So, all of that, it's difficult to change because we have not only an existing groove, but we have really good reasons for it. It actually is meeting a need. Hmm. And so, we have to, if we want to change some of those things, we have to learn to meet the same need in a different way. And so for example, if I want to, you know, let's 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 talk about starting a new habit, forming meditation. Uh, so if I want to sit down and meditate in the morning, but my current groove is when I wake up, I get on my phone, I start checking my messages, I start responding, and then the whole day takes off from there. And so I'm going to be moving out of that groove into sitting down and doing nothing for, let's say, 10 minutes. That's really diff- difficult because when I am uh, at that Decision point, do I sit down and do nothing or do I go to my usual thing? There's going to be a gravity, a weight to that old way. And I can sit there and do nothing, but at the same time, my body is going to want to meet the need of, ah, I have some anxiety about all the messages that I haven't answered, all the tasks I haven't done. And so how do I actually... Uh, meet the need in the way that I—that's I, not the usual way, which is like checking my phone and doing whatever I can do there. And so, interestingly, meditation, this example already can meet that need, but we don't usually take it that way. Um, it's just like oh, I have to force myself to do sit here and not do the thing that I think I need to do. So that's that's difficult. Um, that just kind of highlights how it can be difficult to change those grooves. This episode is sponsored by Shopify.
0: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greg, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greg now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com slash greg.
1: Does that does that answer the question of uh, well,
0: yeah. yes it, I mean it does right so so you know it's traditionally the language we would say right there's a cue. I mean that cue uh-huh. could be just uh, I wake up and I uh, I mean this specific example I, I struggle with this still wake up and there's a set of there's a set of pre-existing habits and part of it for most people is picking up their phone uh, either that's done immediately because they have it right there're plugged into their uh, you know right by their the head or they, they go sure. grab it if they've managed to make that much distance. And then <laughs> and then of course built into the phone is it's just any A just lot of cues. Series of cues, right? Like right. seriously highly repeated and then highly immediately rewarded. That's uh, right. routines. So okay, the pick up the They're phone designed and that. Yeah, literally designed, deeply designed, you know, as a to to to, to hook us and uh, and to learn about our patterns and to then adapt to those patterns. I mean, they, they've surely, surely the modern phone and and they're not really phones, of course, but mm-hmm. they've got to be among the most addictive items ever created because they adapt to our weaknesses and our particular interests and our particular unique way of approaching things. Okay, that's so right. so picking up the phone is like, that's a cue with a routine with many rewards in it. And so you're cycling into that from the first second you wake up. Now you're saying, okay, meditate instead. And I don't think there's that many people who are pushing back on that as a, like, no, I think that's a bad trade-off. <laughs> meditate instead of reaching my for my phone immediately. But it feels like a bad trade-off when you're doing it. I think that I think that that the pull is so much stronger to the phone than the meditation. Yeah, meditation is a really
1: badly designed app. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> nicely said. So what what do you do? Just slow that down for us. Like, what are you saying we can do in
1: that moment to shift? Well, what I was what I was saying is this is why it's difficult to change. Yeah. Uh, this is why habit. So I was trying to explain, you know, habit change in general. Yes. If we actually do want to make that shift, yep. Uh, there's a number of things. So let me go back to the smoking. So with quitting smoking, you already saw in in my story, uh, you know, something that was a couple of things that were really important. One was commitment. Previously, when I. I failed to quit smoking seven times before, tried and failed. Mm. Previously it was like, ah, today I'm going to quit smoking. It's like, today I'm going to change my diet. Today I'm going to start exercising. Today I'll start meditating. And so it's just like, yep, I'm going to do that as if it's, yeah, the easiest thing in the world. It's like, I'm going to take out the trash. You know, it's, it's not that big of a commitment. And of course, when you hit against your resistance, when you hit against the old groove, Mm. um, Mm. because your commitment is so low, you know, you will, give in pretty, pretty predictably. So, you know, the moment I get stressed, I'll reach for the, the the cigarette. So in the story I shared, you heard me say, I decided I'm going to change one habit and I picked mm-hmm. quitting smoking. So all of a sudden it's much more committed than what I was doing before, which is trying to change everything at once. Second, I said, I promised my wife and my daughter, this is an, like you said, an emotional commitment. I was in mm. and I told them, I'm, there's just no way I'm going to be backing down. And if I fail, I'm, I will come back up and do it again. And I will just not quit. And I actually did fail once. And I, I learned from that and told them about it. And then I said, I'm still committed to this. Another thing that I did that, that increased the commitment was I, I set hmm. a date in the future. And I said, I will quit smoking hmm. on November 18th, 2005. And this was two weeks in the future. Mm. and because it was in the future i marked in the calendar i told people about it and i committed Mm. to that date but what i did was i built up to that date and i started preparing for it which leads me to the next thing so what i did there was i took around around a little piece of paper and a little pencil and every time i had the urge to smoke i would write down a little um tally mark on the paper so what i was doing was i i would still Mm -hmm. let myself smoke because i wasn't at my quit date yet, but what I was doing mm-hmm. was I was bringing an awareness of the urges, uh, which is usually invisible. And then second, what I would do is I kept another piece of paper where I wrote down what happened right before I had the urge. Oh, so I was, I got into a, a argument with my coworker or my wife. I, um, you know, got out of a meeting. I ate a big meal. You know, I um, woke up. You know, whatever it is. There, there was. Those are the, the cues like you said that happened beforehand. And really the cues gave me a, an emotional thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And so the emotional thing I realized is it was almost always stress. Uh, not always. sometimes it was um, mm. it was a, a reward. I had done something really good, and so now I need to give myself a, a cigarette. Uh, it was also uh, something I noticed was it was a social lubricant. If I had a cigarette, I could mm-hmm. you know I could talk to people. And it gave me like something to do if I didn't Which know what to say. Self is a
0: form of stress because it's a social stress, right? Like the social anxiety in that moment. That's right.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I have social anxiety and so the, I reached for the cigarette. Yeah. So I learned what my cues were. And at the time I called them triggers, but cues is becoming more common uh, phrase for that. And so I, I wrote them down. And what I realized is like for each one, I had a need. And what was I going to do? What was the need underneath that? And what was I going to do to meet that need so that I, you know, I wouldn't have to reach for smoking. And so first, you know, almost Mm -hmm. always it was stress. I couldn't. So I, uh, one of them was go out for a run. I couldn't always go out for a run every time I was stressed. Uh, So I had breathing was another Mm. thing I tried. Meditating, massaging my shoulders and neck uh, was another one. Another one I learned a little later was uh, frozen grapes was really good so I was eating a lot of candy at first because it was like something to put in my mouth and that wasn't great. And so I, I I tried this trick I found on the internet, which is frozen grapes. It's delightful and somehow it meets some kind of need. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know what it is. That should be some research into that. Uh, but but frozen, frozen grapes. Frozen grape syndrome. Frozen yes. grapes. There you go. Uh, Okay, so I I did all this prep work. And I also created some accountability for myself. So I I joined a group online of other people quitting. And I made a commitment to them, I would post on that group before I smoked. I also committed to calling an accountability partner. Uh, So I did a lot of things around accountability and commitment. And then having a group was also really important. So I, I had other people I was going through. I learned from their stories. I wasn't the only one going through this. So those those were all important. The next thing I learned that I want to share, but quitting smoking is a really good way to learn this. Yes. But actually any kind of physical thing that you do, that habit that you want, want to quit. So let's say you eat uh, potato chips or chew your nails or um, getting on your phone will be another example of that. Um, so. What you want to do is you want to have a little bit of a moat that stops you from doing the thing. So for me, I threw all the cigarettes out and I would have had to drive to the store to get some cigarettes. So I would still have the urge and I'd be like, oh, I should drive to the store right now, which, you know, my brain is like almost panicky. Like I need to go and get that cigarette. And then I would start to, because I had this moat, there was nothing there in front of me that that I could just reach for. I would also have a lot of awareness around it. And so I would notice, number one, what are the thoughts that are leading to me um, justifying smoking? And one common one was just one puff is not going to hurt, which is literally <laughs> true. It's literally true that one puff of a cigarette does not actually kill you. Like It's not going to lead to your long-term death uh, mm-hmm. or long-term sex sickness. But that is a incomplete lie. It's a rationalization because if I just... Right. Dismo- quit, you know, that just had that one, it's going to lead to the next one. It's going to make it right. a slippery slope. Right. And that's true of all slippery slopes. Procrastinating, you know, uh, anything that we do and getting on right. my phone, I'm just going to check this one message. It's always a slippery slope. And so it's, there's true that checking one message actually is not a bad thing. But it, if you notice every time you check one message, you've now checked 20, you know, that's, that's a different thing. Or, you know, I'm going to look at my social media app yes. for like, you know, 10 seconds. Yes. Yeah, of course that's not going to hurt you. Yeah, but that's not actually what happens.
0: Yes. Well, the the in the car the opposing idea is well if you if you never take the first you know, if you never have one puff of a cigarette, you never have to worry about the second or the 10th or the 100th, right? Like there's an opposing idea that that keeps you comp- that produces a moat. That's right. That keeps you from it either in the first place, or if you're quitting, from falling back into the habit. Yes, carry on.
1: But what you notice, what you'll notice, is in the moment of that stress, that opposing idea that you just said carries no weight. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, okay. Uh, so, so, what does work then? What, what? What? Okay. So, so first of all, you have to know. You start to bring awareness to those things and write them down journal about this. So what are mm-hmm. the things, keep a list of all the things you tell yourself, like this is one time is okay. Or whatever it is you, you might tell yourself, I deserve a reward or life is too short for for me to suffer. I'm making myself mm-hmm. suffer right now. Life is too short. These are very common ones. And write those down. And what you want to have is the opposing idea. What's, the, what's your answer to that? Uh, that's going to call out the lie of that other one. And so you write those down, and you want to tell yourself those things when when that moat, when you hit that moat.
0: Okay, so just just slowing down on that and then carry on. So this sure. is uh, there's a there's a, a book that was written here uh, called uh, Soundtracks, hmm. and that's I, li- I like that metaphor for these th- thought patterns that you're describing. That we have soundtracks. You're saying pay attention to them because they're already there running, and yeah. then you're choosing your own soundtracks that you say these. Specific soundtracks that I want to listen to. Are you saying that none of those soundtracks that you came up with helped in the moment? You can't be saying that, or are you just saying the one particular one I came up with didn't <laughs> hold
1: any? It wouldn't have helped you in that moment. They do help, uh, but if if you haven't done this work beforehand, what happens is in that moment they won't help. So you yes. want to you want to overwhelmed. You want to uh, do this work when you are not in that moment. Yes. So, you know, and you're sane, like you, you're like, okay, I know I don't want to do this, but I know yes. this is the argument my brain will come up with because the brain is very invested in having you go back to the old way. And so it mm-hmm. will come up with some incredible arguments. We mm-hmm. won't know that that's happening and we'll just give in like, of course, life is too short to suffer. Right. That's There's truth to that. And so, you know, in that moment, it feels really true. And so you're just like, huh. And you don't even think about it. You just do it. And so, um, you want to have noticed those, written them down, and then come up with a counter argument like you've just done when you're sane. And then when you come to that moment, you're going to practice the new belief because it's the belief that you actually believe in when you're sane, but in that moment of a little bit of insanity, like you have to remind yourself of that. That's why you have, that's why AA, you know Alcoholics Anonymous has all these slogans is because mm-hmm. those slogans argue against our, our brain's rationalizations and we want to drill them in so that when, when we are in that moment of weakness, we can remind ourselves of the truth of that. And we will we'll want to have had some emotional connection to the truth of that in some, so some
0: you, way. You want, you want to speak truth to error. I like that. Something like that, I think, that you're saying. But so I love this idea that it's like personally chosen and it's specifically to address the error thought process, the old soundtrack, so that we've chosen it ourselves, and so that we're going to speak that out when the old
1: thoughts come up. Yeah. Okay. The next piece of this moment, and and uh, this is also a slowing down into this moment. In our previous episode, we talked about slowing down. So mm. uh, this is a slowing down. And what you'll notice if you really slow down in this moment, when you have the urge to smoke and you're starting this rationalization, you're reaching for, or, or you know, again, the, the phone would be another example of that. You're like, I put the phone all the way across the room or in the next room, but I want to, oh, oh just this one message. It's going to be totally fine. And then you, like, you're about to reach for it, which means you're going to have to walk out of the room and go to it. So in that moment, I highly recommend that you slow down and just sit still for a minute, one minute. And what will happen is you will have an urge that will, usually these are invisible and they are just automatic commands, but you'll have this urge to get out of the discomfort of your stress and go relieve it. And so what you want to do is just notice the urge. And there's a thing that I learned about called urge surfing. And what happens is the urge rises as this feeling in your chest and it goes up like this. So it goes up and then it crests. And if you just keep your attention on it, it's uncomfortable, but it crests and it goes down. And then what happens is it comes back again and then it crests and it goes down and it goes back and it crests. And then eventually the waves are really small and it's not even a big deal. But the amazing thing is that that's actually not even that hard. It feels almost impossible in that moment where you're just like, ah, I just need to get out of this. And this is actually the same thing that happens with overwhelm with a task. If you are facing a task and you're feeling overwhelmed, you're just like, ah, I need to go check my email, clean my kitchen. And it's just this like burst of like, ah, I just can't, I can't deal with this. And you just need to get out of it. But if you actually commit yourself to just staying there, it's a meditation. Stay there for a moment and watch the physical sensation rise, crest, and fall. It's actually not that hard. Hmm. It's way easier than we think. It's it's uncomfortable, but it's way, way easier than we imagine. And if you could do that, you will master your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about what you just shared, that story, is that you've
0: crescendoed from a single story and the breakdown <laughs> of the success and the, and the, you've ended with the point. And if you can do this, you, your whole life is open to you. <laughs> you will conquer everything. It's a little moment. <laughs> yes. I love it. But, but you're, 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 you're connecting a huge thing to a small thing, a tiny thing. And or, so tiny. Something that seems tiny. And, but that's a really important connection to draw. The yeah. tension between whatever the habit is you're trying to form or break and the relationship between that and everything else that you want, or you would like to accomplish, or that you would like to become. It's all the same process. I mean, that's sort of, the, I think, the heart of it. And so if you can do this, if you can learn to do this, I mean, even that last idea, you call it urge surfing, right? That's impulse control. If yeah. you can learn impulse control around something that's extremely difficult and embedded in an, an old habit, then my goodness, what else can be done? What else could be evolved and changed in your life? So it's a big promise to what you're suggesting.
1: That's right. It, it's a, such a tiny moment, but it happens throughout the day, actually, in a lot of different ways. We've talked about some of them: phone, you know, opening your phone, checking your email reaching for soda, biting your nails, all of it it's it's a way to relieve the discomfort or uh, the stress, the overwhelm that we're feeling in a moment that again is unseen and unvis- invisible. And if you can make it visible and to stay with it, learn you know, develop the capacity to stay with it for like I said a minute, actually often it's 30 seconds. If you mm-hmm. can stay with for 30 seconds, it's a not an easy capacity to to develop in it by any means, because first of all, we're not aware of it. It's a little bit uncomfortable. It's easier than a cold shower. And when people are doing cold showers left and right these days, uh, but it's easier, it's less uncomfortable than a cold shower. It's just a little bit of tightness, a slight amount of stress in your body. Sometimes it's a lot. And if it's a lot, if it's the kind of anxiety that's going to have you curled up in a ball on the floor, don't do that. That's, that's too much. What we're talking yeah. about is like, oh, I really need to smoke right now. Oh, I, I want to like grab a bunch of cookies or something like that. I need, I need to have my, you know, afternoon Starbucks. Like these are not that hard. You can actually stay with that. It will change your whole life.
0: Yeah, okay. So again, it's back to that like, and it will change your whole life. It will do this <laughs> phenomenal thing, which I, which I think I, I just love it. And I think it's really important to express that, that you're not fighting just for this habit. You're not just fighting, in this case, smoking, or you're not just fighting that impulse to check a phone. You think that's what you're fighting. You think that's what this is about, but really, it's about the discipline required for your whole life. You yeah. know, the the, the discipline pursuit of a life of meaning and value and contribution and 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 and, and goodness, and that's what's really at stake. And and right. so and so. I love the connection to that. Okay, so I want to summarize the process that you have outlined. Okay. The first thing, non-trivial, essentialist thing, I would even say, is pick one. You said priority. Yeah, don't. (laughs) The moment you hear this conversation, think, oh, yes, I've got three different habits. I've got five different habits. I've got 10 that I need to work on. Now, no, it won't work for you. Pick one priority. What is the most important essential habit you'd like to either stop or start? Okay, that was the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing you said was you you scheduled a time in the future to, to, to make the change. And I thought that was really such a simple point, but so different than spontaneously saying, okay, I'm not going to eat this food anymore. I'm done with it because if you schedule it even 2 weeks in advance you've given your brain an instruction prepare for this you know wh- right. what so it starts navigating its the world well what would you have to do to make that less difficult what would you have to do to make that pa- less painful or how That's would right. you make it easy to do it what do you have to get rid of what do you ha- who do you have to involve in it you start to coordinate your brain starts to coordinate a plan to bring you to that moment i thought that was really helpful the third is that you kept this piece of paper with your urges on it when you felt the urge, in this case, to smoke, or we could say, check your phone, whatever the habit is. Uh, and then a second piece of paper to say, well, what happened right before? So now you're bringing a height. You could do that in that two-week period. You're bringing yes. a heightened awareness to that invisible thing that is completely controlling you and mm. keeping you from act, It's acting on you rather than you acting for yourself. Okay, then the fourth thing was, I mean, this is, I think, sort of now more into system building, right? Which is like, what do I do instead to meet the need underlying it? So how do I meet the real need going on? And the fifth, uh, maybe it's the final thing, is to kind of build a moat so that when you hit that moment, you can urge surf your way through it. 30 seconds of... Just living with that discomfort, letting it rise up, letting it try to have its way with you, <laughs> try to scream at you. You have to go and do that. You just this is going to be terrible if you don't. Like that, the threat of pain, and let it let it go. I like the idea of saying, "Oh, they—you know, there, there you are. I see you screaming at me. You know, uh, welcome. It's nice to nice to see you again this morning." Yeah, Mm. becoming really aware, letting yourself surf through the urge for even thirty seconds to discover: oh, that threat I'm feeling is not really real. Uh, Is nothing terrible happens if I don't go and do this thing uh, for the next thirty seconds? And and though that seems to be a pattern, unless I miss it. And if you can understand that pattern,
1: could I add a couple? more things um i would i I feel like i'm leaving out a couple of really important things yeah what did we miss so one is some kind of reward something that you know phones like you said are are, are self-rewarding and we want uh, habits tend to be self-reinforcing right you know the starbucks idea the phones they all like give you some kind of reward and so uh, if you're you know forming meditation if you're trying to you know change your habits you want to like build rewards into it and so that could be if i go for a run every day this week i'm gonna get a massage and it could be something like that it could be cool. after every run i get to hang out with with my running friends and like you know socialize afterward yes it could be every time i meditate i just really enjoy the peace of that little space it's the one one little sanctuary in my life and so whatever it is it could be While you're doing it, it could be right afterward, it could be uh, more longer-term rewards. We want this to be something that is rewarding. And you want to be also just acknowledging yourself. It's like, damn, I did a great job there. That was amazing. Mm -hmm. Because if you're just forcing yourself to face discomfort without the reward part of it, it's actually less, it's not rewarding. You're not reinforcing it. We want to have something that's going to be like feeling good about it. Like if you had a habit app and you got to like check it off, that's also a reward. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's a good, good use of the phone, by the way, <laughs> you know, giving high fives to each other after like going for a walk after work, you know, that's, that's a reward. So rewards would be uh, one. And then I have one more. The other one is grace for yourself. We are very hard on ourselves when we f- fail at a habit. So, if I said, I'm never, I'm not going to eat sweets all at all this month, and then you, you know, like give in and you eat a sweet, you will um, start to have, we tend to have harshness towards ourselves, Mm -hmm. which, and judgment, and which is, we think is going to, the theory behind that is it's going to help us to do better, but it actually doesn't. It makes us feel worse about ourselves. It deteriorates our self esteem and confidence and trust, and it has us wanting to quit. Uh, quit, quit the attempt, and so we want to stop doing that and have grace for ourselves. So that every time we uh, fall off, we're just like, okay, this is a part of the process. This is mm. it's hard. It's mm. you know, what can I learn from that? Would be another thing to take from that. And how do I encourage myself to keep going and acknowledge even the little bit that I was able to do? Like, did I not have sweets all day today until this <laughs> moment? That was actually pretty great. And acknowledge even in any success that we can.
0: I, lo- I love those additions. And it reminds me of something that a friend of mine, Larry Galwick, said, is um, featured in the Forever Strong movie. Uh, he, he said he believes there's no such thing as negative motivation, hmm. which, is, which is an interesting take on the world, but he's just found that this is, that this is true. And it's because it doesn't work. Just, yeah, that he just. Yeah. It, so, and, and this self flagellation uh, that you're describing. Yeah, it's I a mean, broken look, model look, it's a broken model. And and if it worked, like we'd all be doing really, really well uh, on everything. <laughs> because because yeah. we've all tried that habit. We've all tried that strategy. Yeah. Uh, and so I appreciate that. That's a very a, a nice high end for us to, to think about this. Uh, Leo, thank you for being uh, mm. on, on this uh, podcast with me. Thank you for sharing it's your wisdom. With. Thank you for sharing your story and what you tangibly learned along the way. These like, these tactics that were hard won, you know, Mm. like learned them in the trenches of doing it. And then all of the rest of us can now pick one habit, one thing we want to work on, follow, you know, this process that we've been discussing uh, to be able to not just make a new habit, break a, a bad one, but also be able to shift towards a greater confidence in life that we can repeat that process and design something and then live something uh, that really matters. Thank
1: you again. Thank you.
2: This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media,